Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to The Platform. I'm your host, Chad Balthrop. During this season of Lent, we're posting devotional podcasts every Monday through Friday. And if you've been listening all week long, one of the things you've noticed is that even after today, we're going to continue these devotional podcasts, primarily because of this, just the change that's happened in our world in this era of social distancing. How can we find moments of spiritual intimacy? And we just believe that taking unhurried time in God's Word is one way for us to do that. Today is Good Friday. It's called Good Friday. It's kind of ironic that it's called Good Friday because this is the day that believers all over the world will celebrate one of the most tragic things that ever took place. But out of the tragedy came something glorious. This is the day we remember the death of Christ on the cross. And we call it Good Friday because in spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that something so tragic took place on that cross, the death of Christ on the cross, it led to something so glorious on Resurrection Sunday. And so I'm excited that we get to celebrate Good Friday together today. Today, we're taking a look at 1 Thessalonians. We've been in the book of Thessalonians since the beginning of the week, and we're here because that book of the Bible happens to have a particular focus, and the particular focus is that we should stay on target. So even during this time of the coronavirus, this time of social distancing, the time of being safer at home and and in some places just kind of uh, encouraged to be locked in your home, how do we how do we increase our spiritual intimacy during that time and how do we stay on target even through this season uh, that seems to be so challenging and so difficult? And I think the book of 1 Thessalonians has some interesting encouragement for us. Today we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're really going to just read three three verses, and it's it's verses 10, 11, and 12. I like to read, if I'm doing small studies like this, I like to read about a paragraph at a time, and that's about a paragraph for us, verses 10, 11, and 12. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10 and ending in verse 12, it says, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory." I love this passage. It's just a continuation of what Paul's been discussing in chapter two. And and he's really kind of talked about how uh, his faith has come under fire a little bit. He's been accused of some things that he didn't really, that he didn't really do. And he's just really saying, hey, my reputation speaks for itself. And you guys know that. And the Thessalonians, they did know that. They understood that. And, and so he's, He's, he's defending himself a little bit, but he's also saying to them, hey, you guys are the ones who witnessed this. You saw that. Look at verse 10. You are witnesses and God also. So you and God both have witnessed this. Now, here's the thing that I think that's interesting of what they witnessed about Paul's life and what I hope that people can witness about our own life. Paul says of himself, he says, you're witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved. You know, I think that's the beginning of of discipleship, of the way we take our faith and we share it with one another. And as we share it with someone else who's a believer, the thing that I hope that we notice about one another, the thing that I hope we admire about one another is how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behave. That word devoutly, I, I think of it like this, it means to live right before God. It means to, to walk with him in a way that is right. The Bible says that, that Christ has made us holy. We've been set apart because of Christ's righteousness. 
And as a result of that, we now have the privilege of being able to walk in a way that honors the righteousness that Christ has acquired for us. It's not that we're righteous on our own, but because of what Christ has done for us, we can now honor the righteousness that he's placed in us. And every time we do something that honors that righteousness, we're living devoutly before our heavenly father. It says how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved. That word justly, it means innocent in judgment. It means not just to be seen right before God, but to be seen right by others. It means that as people recognize, when it's our turn to make a choice, when, when the world is looking at us and saying, okay, which one will you choose, the right or the left, that as we make that choice, They may not like it. They may not agree with us. They may not understand it, but they look at us and go, well, you know, I understand how they got to that conclusion. And that, that's a just decision that they're innocent in judgment. The scene is right before others. That's what it means to do justly, to honor God's choices in such a way that even the people around us recognize that this choice practically makes sense, that this choice spiritually makes sense makes sense. Why? Well, because God makes sense. God's, God makes sense in, in the way that he, he encourages us to act and to function. So that we would act devoutly and justly, and then finally, and blamelessly. Blameless isn't the idea that we're never, ever going to sin. That's not at all it, because I am going to sin. I'm good at it. And sometimes I step in it, whether I even try to or not, I, I, I struggle with, I, I'm stand with David when I say, God, forgive me and protect me from presumptuous sins. I step into sinful things on a regular basis. But every time my conscience speaks up, every time the Holy Spirit tweaks my conscience to help me know, hey, this was one of those moments when you missed I want to be quick to repent in those moments. So that idea that we would live blamelessly is the idea that I would have a, a clear conscience, that I would be right. That, that first one, to be devout, is to live right before God. That second one is to, be, to live right before others. This last one, having a clear conscience, is to be right with yourself. Is there something in your life that you need to confess, that you need to repent of, that you need to turn away from? Is there a temptation that you need to avoid? To be blameless doesn't mean to be sinless. It means that every time you sin, you handle that sin rightly before God. And it is to recognize that and and to honor the fact that, hey, God calls that sin. I was wrong. God, please forgive me. Help me to overcome this and never do it again. Either remove the temptation from me or let me see the way of escape every time I'm faced with this temptation and give me the strength and the power to overcome that temptation. I think that's the beginning of discipleship, that we would live in this way because, well, it's something else Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If this is who you are, then at some point in your life, you can with honesty, with integrity, look at someone else and say, hey, if you'll, if you'll imitate me, you'll be learning how to imitate Christ. And then that passage goes on. It says, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe as you know how we exhorted and comfort, comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. There's three words there. It's almost like Paul's a preacher, three points, a poem and a dead friend story. <laughs> he just leaves out the dead friend story this time. Um, but he does have his three points. He just does his three points again. Here's what Paul does. He says, I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to comfort you and I'm going to charge you. And, and this is just a great pattern for discipleship. First off, that you would live rightly before God, that you would be, it would set an, an incredible example, that you would show people what it means to be a disciple of Christ. 
Jesus followed this pattern. He showed, he showed his disciples what love really looks like. He showed his disciples what forgiveness really looks like. He showed them how to do all of the things that they needed to do as followers and believers of God. He showed them those things first. And then as he showed them, he would begin to tell them. And now here, Paul's following that exact same process. He's showing and he's telling. And here's what I'm telling you now. I'm gonna show you how we exhorted, comforted, and charged you. Well, what does that mean to, to exhort, to comfort, and to charge? Well, to exhort is to call to one side and to show all an example. It's to exhort is to say, hey, either you're, either you're with us or you're not. Either you're going to do this God's way or you're not. It's a kind of correction, but it's also a kind of correction that comes with an encouragement. Hey, we want you on our team, and this is how our team plays. It's actually one of the things about church life that I've always thought was interesting. Every sports organization expects you to come to practice. They expect you to wear the uniform. They expect you to play by the rules of the game. And they lay those expectations on you, not because they want the game to be terrible, but because they want the game to be fun. It's the idea that, that you know, we wear all our Sooner gear because we're Sooners and we're going to support the Sooners and that's awesome. Or if you're a Cowboy fan, you're a Cowboy fan and, and that's awesome. Those are those are great things. And, and it, as soon as you start playing by uh, the rules of a different game, well, it's not football anymore. It's basketball. And and as soon as you start wearing somebody else's gear, well, you're not for the Sooners anymore. You're for the Cowboys. And, and it gets confusing Every athlete understands that. Every sports, uh, you know, everybody who loves sports, they understand that. In church life, it's almost like there are times when people are just kind of offended when you start saying, hey, you know what? If you want to play the game, you ought to wear the uniform. Hey, if you want to play the game, you ought to come to the team meetings. Hey, if you want to play the game, it's, it, you got to be with us. If, if, this, if this is part of who you are, you got to be, we got to be together in this. That's the exhortation that's there. It's a kind of encouragement that comes through discipline, but it's not a discipline that comes from a place of, wow, you messed up, you're terrible. It's a, it comes from a place of, we want you on our team. We want you with us. So exhorted and comforted. Comforted is the idea that just to, to bring alongside, hey, I'm not telling you this because I'm better than you. I'm telling you this because I'm walking with you through it. I'm walking with you through it. That happens with our kids sometimes, right? They go through something difficult, something where as a parent, we wish we could be there right there by their side as they're having that argument with a friend or as those people are making fun of them or as they're, they're, they're struggling with that teacher. We wish we could, we could be, and, but we can't always be right there in the moment. So, so as we comfort them after the moment, we bring them alongside, we put our arm around them. We bring them alongside them and when, then we give them the best possible parental, parental advice that we can give, right? We, we love on them, we care for them, and we say, hey, let me, let me give you some, let me tell you something. Here's some things that you need to know. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's some wise things you can say. Here's some actions you can take to help you overcome the situation in the future. We exhort, we comfort, and the last part is to charge. And that last idea is to charge is to motivate someone to be so fervent in their life and in their action that they would be willing to die for whatever it is they're about to do that they would be willing to die for their faith, that they would be willing to die, that they would rather die than dishonor God in this moment. So Paul brought that kind of charge to people. He would exhort people. He would comfort. 
he'd exhort them, I want you on my team. He would comfort them. Man, when you fail, when you struggle, we're gonna, we're gonna walk through this together. You're never alone. And then he would charge them as we're never alone, as we're on this team together. This is something, this faith, I, I would just rather die than dishonor God. And let's do this together. Let's be those people that would, that would rather die than dishonor God. And that's verse 11. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The Greek word for worthy there, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can use a Greek dictionary. And I, I hope I pronounce this right. The, the Greek word is akaios, and it means to walk in a way that God deserves. It's not so that we can earn his favor or earn his loving kindness. It actually comes from a place of appreciation because of what God has done for us, because he's already applied his righteousness to our lives. We can now live in a way that honors the righteousness that he's placed inside of us. As we do that, we show people what to do. We tell people what to do. And now we have an opportunity to say, now you can go try to do that yourself. That's that process of discipleship. Someone has done that for us. Now we can step up and do that for someone else. Show them, tell them, and then give them the opportunity to do it themselves. For each one of us to akaios, to walk in a way that honors God, to walk in a way that God deserves. So I hope that's who we are today. Let's take a moment to pray that back to our Heavenly Father. Father, thank you so much for this Good Friday, and it is a good, good Friday. Thank you for the tragedy that you experienced on the cross at Calvary on my behalf. Thank you that you took my sin and my shame, that you took the punishment for that, and that you you suffered the penalty of my sin and then you gave me the glory of your righteousness. And so I pray that today that I would live in a way that honors the righteousness that you've acquired for me. And I pray that the people who are listening would do the same thing. I pray that we would exhort one another, that we would comfort one another, that we would charge one another, that we would be the people who would rather die than dishonor you. And that Father, as we do that, that we, would, that we would live devoutly and justly and blamelessly before you. Every time, every time you use your Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to our conscience, then, then Father, let us be quick to repent. Let us be quick to pursue you and to follow hard after you. And let us be those people who live rightly before you. And, and, and I pray that as we do that, that we would be a blessing to the people around us. We love you so much, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you made time to join us today. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch future episodes and you can help us connect with more people by rating and reviewing this episode or pressing like, leaving a comment or sharing with a friend. You can also catch more devotional thoughts every day through our partner podcast, Follower of One, everywhere podcasts are found. And I'll tell you, it's also becoming the end of Holy Week. And each day during, during Holy Week, we've put special devotional uh, episodes on our social media that include a little bit of music, a little bit of scripture, and some questions you can discuss with friends and family. I hope you're connecting with those and sharing those with friends as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the platform.